very first Drone Tech Podcast. I am your host, Mike Modic, and I am super excited to have you on board today. So you may be wondering, what is the Drone Tech Podcast about and why was it made? Well, I wanted dialogue and discussion in the drone security space, and I really couldn't find it anywhere else. So what a better way to hear about the industry than to speak to the people who live it and breathe it. Talking about the people who turn heads when drone security is mentioned, I guess I should introduce myself. I live in Melbourne, Australia, and I work as a cybersecurity consultant penetration tester for BAE Systems. I'm also the director of DroneSec, and I work with for him to bring you all the latest and greatest in the world of drone security. Side note. Apologies in advance if I make too many hacker references, but I promise you will uh, be balanced out by the diverse interviews we do on the show. Alright, enough with the intro. Regarding this week's news, DJI released a $200,000 bounty for information leading to the drone operators who disturbed flights at Chengdu Airport in China. The FAA's Drone Advisory Committee is taking steps to implement a counter-drone strategy for all US airports and critical infrastructure. A Lake County Sheriff's Office in South Dakota used a drone for aerial surveillance during a standoff with an armed suspect. And two men were arrested in South Carolina after allegedly attempting to smuggle contraband into a prison using drones. We've seen that one all too often. Last one is that police in Riverside Country, California, arrested a man accused of illegally dumping after he was spotted from above by a local drone pilot. How's that for surveillance? Now, our guest David Hambling has very kindly gone and offered some very generous gifts to our listeners today. The first being a signed copy of his book, Swarm Troopers, for simply shooting us an email at hello at dronesec.xyz with some feedback about today's show. The winner will be chosen randomly. And other than that, you'll just have to listen in for the uh, next prize that David's offering today. David, thank you so much for uh, you know joining the first DroneSec podcast. It is the inaugural podcast. I've been a fan of yours on, on some of your answers on Quora. It's an uh, industry that's not too transparent, so we have been able to see some of your content there. And you know, you've given some great insights on things. So would you like to tell me maybe a little bit about yourself, where you're based, and what you do? Okay, I'm a journalist and author. I write for uh, New Scientist magazine, The Economist, Wired, Aviation Week, uh, and a few other publications. Uh, and my most recent book is called Swarm Troopers, How Small Drones Will Conquer the World. Right, and that book, will touch on that in the end. But in terms of books, I've actually written quite a few other ones. My first uh, sort of relevant military non-fiction one was a thing called Weapons Grade, which is about military technology and how that feeds into the civilian sector and how all these things like the internet, like GPS, like digital computing and basic electronics, in fact, all came from the military sector. So it was looking at that and how that process continues today. And that, in, in a sense, then gave rise to the next thing, because we then reach this interesting situation where it's not the military who have all the cool toys anymore. Uh, increasingly, they are turning up first in the consumer sector, and the military are then jumping on them afterwards, which I think is going to be a, a major part of this conversation. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the military is probably looking at innovations in the commercial or the private sector, which end up contributing to the technology they then use. In, in a very direct sense, yes. Okay, and in terms of the podcast, this is DroneSec. You know, we're talking on the, the topic of drone security. A lot of listeners really will be approaching this for the first time where we have hacking drones, jamming drones, using drones for protection, what have you. So from your perspective, what is the drone security sector and how, I guess, would you explain it to someone who hasn't really heard of it before? Uh, I think there's really two sides to drone security. 
Uh, one of them is the the stupid use of drones by uh, incompetent or thoughtless people uh, whose drones end up in the wrong place and they think it would be cool to go and get some pictures of aircraft taking off at the airport or hey I can go and see a concert for free with my drone. There's that kind of casual use uh, which presents certain hazards but is relatively easy to deal with if you have the technology in place. There is a much more serious threat from malicious use of drones and particularly in the uh, defence and military sector which is what I've mainly been looking at. Yeah, right. And so in terms of those few, you know, stupid people doing uh, silly things with it, do you think, you know, some of these coming out laws and, you know, innovations around identification of drones or drone, say, registrations and that kind of thing, do you think that'll hinder the, the hobbyist area or do you think it's something that'll actually, you know, help control it? It will do both. Uh, it will put some people off. It will make life difficult for a lot of people. Uh, obviously, there are very strict rules at the moment about commercial use of drones, and that's really holding the industry back hugely because the, the regulation for that simply isn't in place. Um, but overall, it will help drone security. And I think other measures such as geofencing, which is where drones have built-in areas that they're not allowed to go to so they know that they're not allowed to fly near an airport and they won't won't fly in if someone tries to do that i think that kind of solution will be very effective for stopping uh, a lot of the the careless use of drones and in terms of sending them near airports are there any other examples of drones being used maliciously that could possibly hinder i guess city infrastructure or, or different things we may not have thought about yeah i mean there's the big problem at the moment uh, that they've identified in the uk is uh, drones being used to smuggle items into prisons, um, particularly drugs and mobile phones are the, the two valuable items. So they've actually sent up a, set up a task force specifically to interdict drones trying to get into prisons. In the US they've seen drug smuggling on a larger scale. They've actually seen some uh, medium-sized drones coming over the uh, Mexican border carrying uh, several kilos of drugs at a time. Um, there's a certain amount of criminal use of drones, certainly anecdotally they are used by burglars in Britain to go and look around a house, uh, see if there are any windows open, see if there's a burglar alarm. This kind of thing, unfortunately, is only limited by the creative minds of people who are using them. I'm sure as they become more common, we will find lots more creative ways of misusing them. You touched on before airports as well and, you know, drones being around planes. What's the real danger there? And, and I, I know you've done some research on what a drone could do to a plane. Do many people realise that? Yeah, I mean, there's the, the, there is a, a general belief, and including a lot of people in the aviation industry, who said, look, we've already got lots of standards for bird strikes with aircraft. And, you know, a, a goose or a swan can be 10, 15 pounds. That's actually quite a lot bigger than the vast majority of the drones we're talking about. And also, birds are stupid. They will fly round airports. So the argument goes that um, drone strikes are just going to be like bird strikes, so really there's no need for any new standards or new regulations to cover that. However, it's not just about size. People who have actually looked into this, both by doing computer models and by physically firing drones at bits of aircraft, uh, have found that it's actually quite different um, because drones contain hard and dense parts, particularly things like batteries, whereas a bird is basically a soft and squishy thing. They actually simulate bird strikes very accurately by using blocks of jelly. Whereas 
a drone component moving at high speed can crack or go through a windscreen and can actually go right through a radome they are a threat on a very different order from birds and even with jet engines a bird will get completely shredded by a jet engine uh, the harder components of a drone can actually break turbine blades and because the jet turbine is spinning at such high speed as soon as anything breaks uh, you have a, a catastrophic situation and you lose the engine and in theory you just lose the engine but there is the possibility that you can get bits coming out at high speed which cause further damage downstream so drone collisions are actually an awful lot more dangerous than most people realize uh, and the industry is only just beginning to get to grips with that so in a way i guess some of these regulations and, and aviation authorities are, are kind of treating it similar to the existing aviation problems and issues that they've seen before do you think this is a brand new sector or do you think CASA and you know some of the aviation authorities should treat this like a completely different problem set I think they will absorb it uh, because they already look at things like uh, foreign object ingestion and hailstones because the the people who have um, been firing uh, drones and birds at uh, jet engines are also doing things like like firing, firing chunks of ice to see what, what's the risk from that. So from their point of view it's just a, another object but it is a whole new class of objects that they will have to get to grips with and drones also have other potentially dangerous properties because they've uh, got lithium-ion batteries. As we all know, uh, those batteries can burst into flame sometimes, particularly if they're damaged. And if a drone battery goes through an impact, it is quite likely that it will short out and you will get a fire afterwards. So if it happens to be embedded in the plane, which is certainly possible, you then get a fire situation as well. It's an awful lot more complicated than just running into a flock of geese. Sure, of course. And I think you actually you know, referred to it as a uh, mechanical geese from hell in your your one heart. yes that that was my that was my editor's line and uh, yes I, I think he summarized that quite well <laughs> I'm hoping that we, we won't be seeing drones hitting plane stories. It's The bad guys don't seem to have cottoned onto that one yet, and I'm not particularly keen to uh, point them towards it, because it, it's such an easy target, because, you know, these manpads missiles for shooting down airliners are extremely expensive and pretty unreliable, whereas you can fly, fly a drone in a flight path fairly easily and uh, potentially cause... I mean, you've probably seen Dubai airports been shut down multiple times simply because someone's flown a drone near. Uh, you know, the amount of disruption that people could cause is huge so hopefully that one's not going to happen but but there's an awful lot of bad things that could happen with drones so i think the more we can make people aware of the threat and get people thinking uh, you know before the disaster happens the better I mean, when you have these mechanical geese from hell, as you're talking about approaching a plane or an airport or something like that, um, obviously we've had the, the counter drone industry rise up. What are some of the countermeasures you've seen and, and from your perspective and some of your research that you've done, do you think any of these ideas are, are legitimate and how many do you think you take on board? Well, this is why I make quite a clear distinction between the casual or careless use of drones and deliberate malicious use. I think there are 101 at least different jamming systems out there and I think if you've got something like a commercial quadcopter drone that's operating on known frequencies and you know exactly how to jam it and what what it can withstand then those are very easy to take out with even fairly basic jammers I don't think there's too much of a problem with those the situation gets much more difficult with drones which have been designed to be resistant to jamming because those will just fly right past um, but I think for everyone who's interested in instant defense and they want to 
product they can buy today will be buying jammers uh, and I think those will fulfill their needs certainly in the short term uh, because the technology for jam resistant drones is not really in the hands of the bad guys yet but I think we're talking months rather than years before that happens. Yeah, and that's quite funny because, you know, here in, a, in Australia, we've got strict laws on jamming. So jamming is not yet allowed. I say yet, but, you know, we've got the other measures we can use and that kind of thing. But in terms of testing these, obviously, there's a, you know, we've got to separate the um, the genuine solution from the snake oil and that kind of thing. I don't know if you've heard about some of the DARPA or the Department of Homeland Security holding some of these competitions to test the systems on drones. Do you think that's the approach we should start taking as, you know, seeing who makes the best counter drone solution? I think that's a very, that's a, a valid solution because since this is a, a a subset of all military marketing there's an awful lot of people selling anti-aircraft missiles out there and who knows exactly how effective those are um, because the claims of the manufacturers don't necessarily play out when they get used in the field by which time it's too late i think if you've actually got manufacturers who are willing to stand up and, and test their product in public competitively against others uh, that's a, a great way of as you say sorting out the real deal from the snake oil and there's a uh, delft university in holland have this fabulous idea for a competition called Drone Clash. I don't know if you've heard of that they're holding in December. And the idea is to basically turn this into a television spectacular. So you're inviting lots of people to bring in their teams of drones to fight other drones in the air and see if they can fly through. They have a, a hallway of death, doom and destruction, which is going to be a load of counter drone systems. And the idea is you'll have to fly your drones through that and then get through to fight the enemy drones. And so I think that's a great idea of inspiring people to roll their ideas out and to show off their ideas because this, is, this isn't this is a field which requires giant defence contractors. A lot of the work here is being done by two guys in a garage somewhere uh, and I think something like that that allows them to get visibility will move solutions forward very rapidly and it, it will help incubate the whole process of developing counter-drone. One of the, the standout things about the whole drone field is they are very small, they're very cheap, they can be developed by anyone so both the threat and the counter are going to be evolving way faster than anything we've seen previously. Uh, military aircraft a generation is about 20 years. With drones, it's not even two years. Wow. Okay. So let's let's just touch on that again. You were talking about, you know, I guess the economic trade-off of you've got these huge missile systems and that kind of thing, huge defense contractors, whereas they're, I guess, on the other side of the fence, you've got two guys in the garage. So as you may have seen previously, we had that $3 million missile, you know, apparently fired at a drone. This economic trade-off can't be good. So how do we, how do we target drones? Do we target cheap with cheap or do we spend more money? You know, what's the, what do we do here? I think at the moment a lot of people are going for expensive solutions and it's very uh, it's it's a lot easier to come up with an expensive solution than a cheap one uh, and one of the the great things about jammers is that they're cheap. I mean, then you've got s solutions which are a bit of both. So, like laser weapons, there are. Everyone has now realised that uh, the the military grade lasers they've got out there are like 20, 50, 100 kilowatt, uh, which is pretty useless for most battlefield targets. But it's just about powerful enough to bring down a small drone. So immediately they're all being touted as anti-drone systems, which is very nice. Except that a laser of that type, you'll still need a vehicle to carry it, and you're still talking about millions of dollars. So it, it might provide quite useful point defence, but it's not going to be a solution for everyone everywhere. And certainly it's not going to be the kind of thing that you're going to have one on every street corner in our cities to stop stray drones. And that kind of begs the question as well, if you've got a laser system that can target a drone, what happens when you bring multiple drones, you know, such as drone swarm? What are your ideas? Is that a different problem set or is that still just the drone threat multiplied? 
that is a different problem set because with swarms, basically you're talking about people who are geared up to deal with drone defences. And with something like a laser, you're looking at a, a what they call a dwell time of several seconds. That's the amount of time you have to hold the laser spot on the drone to start doing it serious damage and bring it out of the sky. So with a swarm, you've then got this calculation of what range do you see the drones at, how fast are they going. So that might give you, say, a minute between detecting them and them being where you are. So it's a question of how many drones can you shoot down in a minute. Now, if it's taking seconds per drone, you can perhaps shoot down 20 or 30 drones before they get to you. Now, 20 or 30 drones at $1,000 a piece compared to a multi-million dollar laser uh, doesn't look like uh, very good for the people with the laser. Of course. So I guess the question is, are there any defense mechanisms against drone swarms at the moment? Or is that something that's still not really um, tackled yet? Uh, there's certainly nothing operational. Uh, there are lots of ideas and lots of interim measures. Uh, jammers obviously will work against the uh, cruder drones, and that was more or less settled the drone threat in Mosul. Small arms, just machine guns and uh, other weapons, don't tend to be that effective. You can waste an awful lot of ammunition shooting in a small target. The US Army are looking at what they can do with their existing weapons and how they can modify those for dealing with large numbers of drone threats. So in particular, a lot of their vehicles have a machine gun turret on them these days called Crows. That's remotely operated weapon system. Uh, and that basically allows the guy inside the vehicle to aim and fire the gun. And by linking that to a radar system and a computer system, they can have that automatically turning to point at a an incoming drone. And in principle, you could turn that into an automated anti-aircraft anti gun. And the idea of that is so that they don't actually have to buy new anti-drone weapons for everyone so they can use what they've got. Again, the problem with swarms is how many are you going to shoot down before they get to you? Of course, and you know when you've got military hardware and, and military vehicles, ships and that kind of thing, and they face a swarm of drones, you know, they're going to need to be equipped with something like this to protect against them. I do believe you've touched on some of that in your uh, your book, Swarm Troopers. Yes, indeed. Can you tell me a bit more about that book? Uh, yep, because this is, I, I was really struck by this mismatch between the way that military technology is evolving to fewer and fewer more expensive systems, what they call exquisite weapons. You know, the latest generation fighter, the F-35, you're looking at about $100 million per aircraft. Every generation of aircraft just gets more and more expensive. And then on the other hand, you've got consumer drones that are getting ever cheaper and ever more capable. So you've got like a $100 million fighter on the one hand against a $1,000 drone on the other. And that means you're looking at about 100,000 drones being equivalent to one fighter. And, you know, that, that then begins to look like the uh, small drones become a far more powerful powerful, far more effective weapon than what the military are using now. Quite intrigued by the fact that, you know, you've got these multi-million dollar jets that are being used and then you've got $200 drones. You can keep throwing drones at it, but you can't keep throwing jets at it in terms of them going head to head on an economic scale. Right, and, and, you know, tactically, again, it's an interesting situation. An F-35 can fly rings around a swarm of drones, but if you've got several thousand drones, for one thing, it's got, it can only shoot down a handful of them, and the missiles it's using cost an awful lot more than the drones. And for another, you don't actually want to fly your aircraft anywhere near a cloud of drones, because, as we've said, it's going to do very bad things to your engines and other parts of you, and if those drones happen to be carrying explosives, basically it's like running through a minefield. That's way too dangerous to, to risk your expense of aircraft at. So the, the swarm does actually have a huge asymmetric advantage.
Now, things really get interesting when drones have much longer endurance, because at the moment the, the big limitation is that they have batteries that typically last for, say, 20 minutes, half an hour for a quadcopter, say, 90 minutes for a small fixed-wing drone. But there's a lot of work, and there's a, a chapter in the book called The Fine Art of Flying Forever about ways that drones can actually recharge themselves and carry on flying indefinitely. Now, the, the most obvious approach there is solar power, and there are quite a few solar power drone projects out there. There's people like Atlantic Solar who've flown a, a hand-launched drone for 81 hours non-stop, so it's gone through several day-night cycles. It uh, it just carries on recharging itself. There's a, a couple of military projects, and there's I've recently looked at a very nice one being developed by University of Minnesota called SUAVQ, which is a, a little thing. It takes off as a quadcopter, unfolds its wings with solar panels on, flies for as long as there's daylight and recharges itself, uh, and then it can convert back into quadcopter and land vertically and that basically that that can fly as long as the sun shines but there are others which can have enough excess power while the sun is shining to recharge them and carry on flying overnight as well now when you've got small drones with indefinite flight time then they get really dangerous because they can fly anywhere and they never need to land so militarily they, they become extraordinarily difficult to deal with and also your f-35 having flown rings around the swarm for a bit finds that the swarm is then moving to his airbase and he can't land. Wow. And if he does land, he's going to get destroyed. This then really gets quite problematic because there, there are no decent low-cost solutions to shooting down several thousand drones. So obviously, you know, when we talk about this, there's a few concepts, but there's a very real threat of, you know, ISIS using these drones with payloads and that kind of thing in the Middle East. In terms of these drone swarms, have we seen anything like this before? Have we seen any examples or is it something that we do need to cater for in terms of risk? Interestingly, a, a couple of the um, sources reporting what was happening in Mosul, uh, one was describing they they were using drones in groups of three to five, and there were situations where you'd have one drone dr distracting people while another one came in from another direction. One of the US officers described them as, as coming in near swarming numbers, so uh, obviously they're realising that you can overwhelm defenders by coming at them from multiple directions at once. Now, the actual true swarming means you don't have one operator per drone, you have one operator for the entire swarm and that is a technological leap forward but there is a lot going on in that field both militarily and non-militarily i mean it's interesting that the largest swarm of drones flown so far has actually been swarm thrown by intel they have their drones which are being used as an alternative for firework uh, lady gaga had them as a backdrop in her halftime show in the uh, super bowl she had a couple of hundred drones and the the chinese are doing the same militarily there are several U.S. military agencies, including DARPA, the Marines, uh, Department of Defense directly, uh, and Army, who are all looking, oh, and the Navy in particular, who are looking at software so that you can control a whole load of drones from one person. Uh, and that then means that there's really no limit to the number of drones that you can keep in the air and keep control of. Yeah, I've seen some of those, you know, drone swarms by some of the, uh, I think the DARPA-funded university group where they fly them all at the same time and they're all in the stay in a pattern and they all have detection techniques of where each other are in that airspace. They don't hit each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're flying, essentially, they're using the, the same kind of algorithms as a, a flock of birds. This, a lot of this is actually borrowed directly from nature. They all have a simple set of rules and so long as they all follow the same set of rules, there's no collisions and the whole thing can work cohesively. Uh, it's, it's very simple, but 
but very efficient and crucially it doesn't take any bandwidth to do it you don't need lots of megabytes of data flying around well wow. again it's something that no one is really ready for because all the aircraft and missile defenses are all keyed towards detecting basically big fast moving things at reasonable altitudes and they tend to filter out anything small and slow because it's probably a bird and with drones that can come in at zero altitude against an awful lot of background clutter and with no metallic parts in them they do represent a real challenge i think that we've seen quite a lot of uh, interesting attempts to deal with that one of the big problems for the civilian side is that you actually need quite a powerful radar and you can't go around situating powerful radar in civil areas because it just interferes the hell out of everything one of the more creative approaches uh, which i've seen developed by a russian company is passive radar uh, which is rather than having a radar system that emits it just uses the background noise of radio waves particularly from cell phone masts and digital television and from the distortion in that it can pick up moving objects and that's actually quite a useful way of detecting small drones and i think we will see a, a few defenses based on that coming up wow that's incredible so uh, some of these topics we've briefly touched on here are any of them in the book swarm troopers this is all in the book looking at all the the various proposed and under development counter drone systems the one that really looks most plausible to me the best way to stop a swarm of drones is another swarm of drones because it has the same properties of being available low cost can be evolved rapidly and you can actually field enough of the thing to to deal with the threat so if you can't beat them just join them hey yeah, well, this is this is actually more or less what happened with uh, aircraft in in air warfare. The far and away the best way to deal with enemy aircraft is to have air superiority yourself. And I think we'll find the same as with drones. I think uh, you'll find that the the best counter drone system will turn out to be another drone. So, I mean, David, your interest in this is, is just incredible. Some of your insights show that you've put a lot of research into this. Just in terms of, you know, yourself, where did your journey start with drone security? In this? It started with looking at areas where there were the the most advances being made, and, and particularly, as I say, where civil electronic was actually pushing ahead of the technology sector. There was a very instructive exercise a few years back with a, a program called Net Warrior, which was for a net network navigation and communication system for infantry uh, developed by the US Army and what they came up with was something that it, it weighed several pounds and cost about $20,000 a copy and the troops hated it and they're saying look this all this thing is doing is allowing me to see where I am on the map and communicate with people this is actually useless compared to my iPhone why can't you just give me an iPhone and eventually eventually that's what they did it was um, replaced with a thing called Android Warrior which is using commercial technology because you've got companies like Apple and Samsung who are spending literally billions on developing smaller, faster electronics at uh, lower production costs and greater capabilities. And they're actually spending a lot more money on that sector than the military can afford. And because the military are producing tiny numbers of things, they just can't compete with the economies of scale. And that actually that goes as far as military drones as well, because the military small drones, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars because they're only producing a few thousand units, whereas something like DJI is producing millions of units at a cost of thousands of dollars and they are getting cheaper and more capable all the time of course and i guess with the speed of innovation you know from my security background i would love to see security integrated from the very start you know geofencing and that kind of thing especially on the drone or basic hardening is this too fast what's going to happen here 
uh, it's way too fast. I think DJI in particular are showing a very high degree of social responsibility and they are very much pushing geofencing. They will build in kill switches. They will do everything they can to make sure that their products can't get misused. The bad guys, however, and we know this from Mosul, we know that ISIS actually have drone workshops where they are building their own from basic components. They will do everything they can to sidestep those processes. And unfortunately, because all the hardware is available, anybody can build a small drone for a few thousand dollars and totally avoid any kind of regulation or any kind of built-in protection to stop it. Now that stops casual people from misusing them, but it does leave the field wide open for terrorists and other people on that scale. Uh, and I'm also, I particularly do wonder what people like the uh, hacker group are going to do with this technology, because you could cause an awful lot of disruption. Yeah, we're already seeing certain drones being hacked into, whether it's, you know, protocol manipulation or going to the Wi-Fi of a drone and that kind of thing. I was more thinking using drones for hacking purposes and for disruption. There's already drones that can go around and pretend to be a cell phone mast so they can actually intercept people's phone calls uh, and do this kind of thing. And uh, drones which can be used to hack into a Wi-Fi setup as well as doing more serious damage. Yeah, no, I did see some stuff about that, getting air gap systems and, and sitting there pretending to be a rogue Wi-Fi access point I and mean, getting you know employees to access it and that kind of thing. So yeah, there really are some big concerns there. Do you think those are concerns that we should try and combat with counter-drone technology? Is that Can we put someone on the board of, of security and start to make a, a change? Certainly, I think that's an area that needs to be looked at very carefully. I think, I mean, luckily, uh, the threat hasn't evolved very much yet, but we don't really want to wait until the threat is mature before doing something about it and I think people need to take a, a very wide angle view of what the threat is likely to look like in a few years and that is certainly likely to be a, a growth area. You know, you've written a lot about this topic, but I first came across some of your, your answers on Quora, you know, the, the question and answer. So I guess in this kind of industry, why is there more information about drones and drone security and coming off a question and answer forum than from the vendors themselves? I don't know whether the media are very well geared up to do with that. I think they, they like a fun, new, interesting story more than they like the, the nuts and bolts stuff of uh, how things are actually developing. And that unfortunately, that's the, the way it is. I'm sure there are people working in lots of other industries like health who would also complain that things aren't getting the media coverage that they deserve. Sure and I guess to wrap up we did mention you know that we were going to be speaking about your book and you know we are going to be giving out one copy and you're going to be signing that and in terms of takeaways from this if you had someone who is very interested in this area they you know were looking into your questions your answers your articles and they you know owned a company or had a position in a company where they wanted to become more drone security aware or say protect their, their own drones what would you say to them to start this journey of becoming more knowledgeable on the subject? Well, obviously, uh, start with your website. Uh, I think this um, program is a, a very good starting point for all sorts of interests in this drone security area. There is, there's a lot out there, but you have to get out there and find, basically find it before it finds you, because this is uh, an issue which is, is going to be very much with us. Yeah, it's an interesting. I, I don't understand the industry because I think the industry is very much in a state of uh, formation and because I'm, I'm approaching this from a technology journalist point of view rather than from a uh, commercial actually getting out there and selling products point of view. So uh, I haven't got a huge understanding of the industry, but I'm developing a reasonable understanding of the technology and where it's going. And in the last year, it has just been ridiculously fast. It has been so difficult to keep up with what's happening because there are so 
many developments on so many fronts all the time when you know a year ago when the book came out there was very little out there about actual military swarming programs now there's at least six of them and they more of them keep popping up from unexpected quarters I think the the actual the commercial applications of drones that barely even started yet and there's already so much they can do and once when drones get smarter they are going to be doing a lot more and particularly if people do get things like like long endurance solar powered swarms uh, they will be all over the place doing everything not just delivering parcels but of course that's going to make the security system more complicated as well so because if you've got drones flying overhead all the time you can't just shoot them down you've got to have a, a way of identifying which ones shouldn't be there but uh, i don't know do, do you think do you think amazon's parcel delivery is actually going to happen i think it'll come uh, further behind a lot of the other commercial applications we'll see a lot of other technological improvements before i think we see the deliveries to be honest thank you david and all of our listeners that can grab david's ebook free off amazon just for today so that deal only lasts today you can grab it for free just google the book stormtroopers Find the Amazon link, hop in there or find the link below and you'll be able to grab that for free today. Seriously though, if you do miss the deal, go and give it a read anyway, buy the book, it's a great read. Thank you all for tuning in and a very special thank you to Randy Gers from the Drone Radio Show for the motivation and the Centre of Study for the Drone for some of the weekly updates. Have a wonderful week from the DroneSec team and don't forget to send in your feedback for your chance to win a copy of David's book. See ya.